Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton. Welcome to the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. Early this year, the Rebellion crew sat down to discuss the positive impact we can make in our community as a small business. One of the priorities we laid out was wanting to help people who need it most to elevate voices we don't hear every day. Our goal is to brew a series of beers and donate the profit from those to groups in our community. One of the groups we selected to work with is the Regina and Area Sexual Assault Center. Chantelle Pryle, the Public Education and Outreach Coordinator, joins me today to talk about the work her team does and how support from rebels like you can make a huge difference. So let's get into it. Chantelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you and thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going good. It's cold, but we're, we're making our way through. <laughs> <laughs> for somebody who might not know who you are and what your organization does, can you kind of give me the, the explanation you'd give to a six-year-old? <laughs> sure, I can do that. So we... Um, the Regina and Area Sexual Assault Center is about creating violence-free communities, communities that um, are free from sexual violence. Uh, so um, we offer counseling services, uh, mm. short and long-term of various types. Uh, we have a 24-hour crisis line that is always operated by either a staff member or a volunteer. Um, we offer accompaniment to the hospital, uh, police and courts, wherever uh, survivors need us. Uh, and we do a lot of advocacy with our clients uh, in health and justice and behind the scenes as well. Um, yeah, so we're really just here. We do offer a lot of public education and support uh, for people who have been impacted by sexual violence, both on an individual level and on more of a systemic level as well. There was a lot to unpack there. Um, when when we talk about the services you provide, you said something like helping people with getting to court. Like, mm -hmm. help me understand that. From my perspective, I've I've sat in court as a reporter. I've I've watched people mm -hmm. in bail hearings and in trial doing their thing. What does your role look like? Right. So if somebody were to call in um, court, you know, victim services uh, has a lot of wonderful supportive people there. So uh, it's really just under certain circumstances that we'd be accompanying. But it's, um, you know, if somebody feels like they need a supportive person, court can be very traumatizing. Oftentimes you're forced to repeat a lot of details due to procedures uh, of the court process. And that can be, you know, causing somebody to relive potentially the most horrific experience of their entire life. So uh, ha sometimes having a supportive person there uh, that they know, maybe it's their counselor that they've been seeing, uh, if their case does go to trial, it can be very helpful to have somebody there. Um, and then, you know, uh, hospital visits are uh, for forensic examinations and medical examinations. It can be helpful to have somebody there. Um, and the police is, you know, if somebody chooses to report their assault, um, it can be helpful to have somebody there who understands a little bit about what they may be going through and experiencing and uh, understands the implications and the process. Um, and it's just there for you, really, to make sure that you're okay. I know when we're looking at it from, say, the perspective of the police, they're mm -hmm. trying to collect evidence and mm -hmm. make sure what they're collecting and producing is something that a prosecutor can use. So maybe their objectives are 
much different than the support a person might need who's going through it. Um, right. How do you unite those two things so the police can maybe do their job a little bit better, but also not cause additional harms? Right. So we have um, something that's called the Violence Against Women Advocacy Case Review, um, and that's been a pilot project since 2019. And quarterly, sexual violence advocates go into the police station uh, and review files um, that have not resulted in a charge for sexual violence and kind of see, you know, um, was everything done in order? Was enough evidence collected? What was the timelines? Um, what were the interview styles like to see, you know, did anything go not according to plan that could have been done better? Um, and because of that, um, we've come up with a lot of trauma-informed policies and interview guidelines and investigation checklists. And we've been seeing a lot, you know, um, to credit the RPS a little bit, they have been leaders in the province for, um, for this project, uh, the VACR. They've been, you know, welcoming us to come in. Um, of course, there's always room for improvements in, in every area, but, um, you know, uh, we're all working together in a more collaborative sense to make sure that survivors do see the justice that they seek and make sure, you know, at the very least, they're treated with the dignity and respect that they deserve throughout those investigations. When we we circle back to kind of the, the beginning, this talking about sexual assault, it's a really heavy topic. I mean, yeah. for something as light as a beer podcast... We're, we're coming in and we're saying, uh, let's talk about sexual assault today. And that's, right. that's a big pill to swallow. So mm -hmm. you live with this uh, through work. How do you overcome people's reluctance to kind of tackle this subject matter? Oh, well, it can be really frustrating. It can be really difficult. Um, sometimes you really do have to kind of check yourself because all you want to do is erupt with rage. But, you know, a large thing about this work is first asking yourself what happened to this person as opposed to what's wrong with this person. And oftentimes that can lead you to a more calmer state, right? Like whether we're talking about survivors of violence and how they may be, you know, reacting to the impacts of their trauma or whether we're talking about people who should be treating survivors with more dignity and respect. Um, often taking a seat back, you know, okay, well, what systems have they been exposed to? How many victim blaming mentalities have they grown up with? You know, we're all not strangers to rape culture within our communities and the impacts that that have on us, whether we realize it or not, are huge. So it's really just about, you know, if I'm in a room with 10 people and three of them are listening to me and they go on and they treat a survivor better uh, and, you know, in terms of uh, response in terms of supporting a survivor uh, and in terms of prevention where, you know, preventing the crime from even occurring in the first place, then that's a win, right? So uh, it's really about taking those those small steps um, and looking at it day by day and doing everything that you can um, to make sure that those policies um, and legislations go through the way that we want them to. In terms of how it works at the tap room, you know, we're part of uh bar culture we're part of pub and restaurant culture and there has been uh massive shock waves there's mm -hmm. been a me too movement there's been a lot of uh call outs and trying to hold people accountable but also mm -hmm. taking accountable for our own actions we brought in jill arnott from the university of regina to talk about workplace harassment and how to protect customers who may be feeling unsafe or threatened by another patron 
how to do intervention safely, how to right. uh, offer um, ways to de-escalate situations that could be out of hand. Um, I kind of what you give me the sense of is your team's kind of plugged into that too. Is, is that accurate mm -hmm. to say? Yeah, I would say that's, that's very accurate. We focus a lot on um, counseling and support. Um, but we, of course, you know, in the underlying of it all, everything we do is towards the eradication of rape culture and how can we create safer environments for every person. When it comes to maybe somebody's at the tap room, and mm -hmm. they've, they've seen something that's not really kosher with them. How can right. our rebels help? Like, what would be a good tactic? Maybe you saw something that was out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, you know, a number of things that um, a proactive bystander can do in situations like that to be a support. Um, and it all depends on the situation and the lever, level of comfortability of the individual who's intervening. So, you know, it can go as far as to go up to the person and say, you know, I heard that you said this really isn't cool. Um, you know, I, I think that you should walk away from this person. But of course, you know, not every situation is going to be like that. You know, is there, is there alcohol involved? Could things get violent? You never really know. So another thing that could happen is, uh, you know, let's say it's a customer. Um, they can always approach a staff member. Um, as well as, you know, another kind of strategic tactic would be to walk up to the person who you feel is being harassed and ask them for something, you know, pretend you know them or ask them if they can come look at something, you know, every context is different, right? So those, those kind of comments would vary, but um, getting them away from that situation and asking them, you know, I heard what they said, it wasn't cool. Um, how can I help you? Like, is this something that you're uncomfortable with or am I just reading this wrong? Um, oftentimes the answer will be yes. Um, and then you can proceed accordingly. You know, do we need to get the police involved? Do we need to get the staff to remove this person? Um, or maybe it just means that this person now has an excuse to move to another area um, of the place that they're in. So there's a few different tactics that you can go about to be a, a proactive bystander. I really like that list that you just brought forward. Mm -hmm. that, that's some of the things that we've actively discussed. Um, uh, bless her heart, Jasmine. She is brilliant at de-escalation within the tap room. Mm -hmm. um, watching her manage uh, situations, I, I've just sat there and I'm like, oh man, you're so good at this. Mm -hmm. And I envy her. I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I was as smart as you in managing this kind of social situation. But uh, I'm, I guess I'm still in learning mode, listening mode. <laughs> if, if you had advice for somebody who's working in this space, what, what would be like a tip that just sticks out in your mind is like, don't forget this. This is essential. Be calm. <laughs> I know it can be so frustrating and saddening and angering and all you want to do is explode at this person, but that can escalate a situation so, so quickly. Um, so it's better to, you know, go into situations like this, putting your emotions aside very temporarily uh, and just so you can handle the situation and uh, get the person who's affected the most to safety before anything else can happen um, because they're, you know, in that, in that line of fire there when it comes to intervening. And oftentimes they'll be like, thank, thank God, like thank goodness somebody came and helped me. But uh, there's definitely, you know, 
we we don't want uh, an outburst for anybody, you know, for many different reasons. So being calm and handling the situation with, um, you know, facts and education. Education is the purest form of argument because you can't dispute it really, you know, like um, I, what I heard you say today uh, is sexual harassment. It's not cool. You shouldn't be saying that things, these things. Um, this is a problem within our community and I'd appreciate it if you stop talking to this person or refrain from saying those comments, you know, and really approaching it um, in a calmer manner uh, and potentially even, you know, maybe this person doesn't even realize what they're doing. Uh, maybe it's a rape joke. Maybe it's a sexist joke. Who knows? And if you're uncomfortable with it, maybe it'll make this person take a second look at themselves and think, you know, why do I think this way? Why did I choose to say this? Um, what are the things in my life that influence this mentality uh, and potentially learn from it and unpack their privilege a little bit more? I've watched another guy say to another dude that's making off-color jokes, he's like, no, we don't make jokes like that here. Right. And it kind of whoomp, shuts down mm -hmm. the permission that person felt to be inappropriate. Right. Um, and he said it's like you said very calmly. So when you, when you kind of unpack that, I'm like, oh man, that's I saw that happen once. <laughs> right. <laughs> when we talk about the work your team does, this the, the intervention, the supports, those kinds of pieces, is there a particular instance that stands out in your mind as this makes my work fulfilling? This is why I tackle this heavy subject matter. Right. You know, it's, it's so hard to pick a specific instance because, you know, we are constantly being the sh shown the strength that human beings have. Um, we see people who may start counseling, unable to make eye contact or really just have any hope for a future where their assault isn't constantly hanging over their heads. Um, and after some time has passed, which, you know, the length of time looks different for everybody and the interventions look different for everybody, um, but they're able to laugh and tell stories and you can see their personalities start to shine through. And some of the biggest wins is many survivors go on to become public advocates against violence themselves. Um, and even, you know, the little changes are huge. Um, for example, like with our crisis line, our crisis line is completely anonymous, but if a person calls in enough, you start to recognize their stories and their voice. Um, and some, you know, can be stuck and it can get really easy to be stuck in, the, in your recovery. Um, but even then, you know, they're picking up the phone and they're choosing to call us and talk about what they're going through. And that in itself takes so much courage and doesn't go unnoticed. Um, and it's really just a testament to the ability of a survivor to cope with the impacts of sexual violence with um, appropriate supports from people like the wonderful staff we have here at RSAC. That's really awesome to hear. When I think about how we're collaborating with you, our team's going to be donating $10,000 from the sale of a beer to your team. And mm -hmm. we try to explain to our fans, to Rebels, hey, you're making a huge difference just with mm -hmm. having a fun with a beer. And it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, I, I got to drink a beer and, and help out. So what difference does it make when Rebels are buying this beer and we get to give this money to you guys? What's that going to do? Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, and a lot of times communities, uh, you know, the old saying, not in my backyard, uh, it's something that, you know, sexual violence isn't something 
that's typically talked about. Um, therefore, it's not typically known information how prevalent sexual violence is in Saskatchewan and in Canada in general, of course. Um, so really, you know, my main message would be that sexual violence impacts everyone in one way or another, um, either through the impacts on a loved one, potentially on a loved one that you aren't even aware of, um, and it has impacts on society and how you go about your life, you know, catcalling, um, rape jokes, unequal pay, uh, and the list kind of goes on and on for that normalization factor. And, you know, um, something that is a, a powerful thing to recognize is that there's always hope and there's always help for those who may be struggling. Um, so it's really a valuable thing, not only to protect the lives of survivors, um, but also for, you know, resources in our community and creating a healthy society uh, to better everybody's future. I feel like I have a million questions to ask you, but <laughs> if we only had one question left, what is it I've missed? What is that essential message you want to get out to my listeners? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would definitely be, you know, that there's, there's always hope and that there's always help. Um, and, you know, holding on to those attitudes and beliefs, it would really be starting a conversation, especially, you know, for people who may not be struggling specifically with the impacts, um, you still can make a difference. It is everybody's responsibility for the eradication of sexual violence and creating safe communities. Um, you know, it starts with the normalization uh, of things that we accept in our everyday life. Uh, some of the things that I mentioned earlier, uh, slut shaming, victim blaming, locker room banter, you know, sexual bragging. And again, the list continues on and on. And um, a lot of the times those harmful attitudes and beliefs, um, if they're not challenged and they're held on to, that's when situations can escalate into more physical forms of violence. Um, yeah, that would be, you know, have that conversation. Um, start it today, start it while people are young so we can get that message out there uh, and make our communities safer. Um, because sexual violence is a systemic issue. It's not an isolated incident. Um, and, you know, sexual violence is committed uh, when somebody attempts to exert power and control over another individual that they deem to have less value than themselves. And rape culture and that normalization and holding on to those attitudes and beliefs is where a lot of that comes from. Um, so you, you know, can really make a huge difference just by having those conversations and, and checking yourself a little bit and checking, you know, using your critical thinking skills to examine, well, why do I think this way? Why am I concerned about what this person was wearing the night that they were assaulted? You know, is this something my mom told me or my dad told me or my teacher told me growing up? Uh, and just really recognizing your impact in the world and how you can have a positive imp impact or a negative impact. I know if you're a guy like me of a certain age, or maybe we grew up in a different kind of culture than it is now, uh, 15, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. you, you looked at pop culture, you looked at media and how we were speaking about women, how we were speaking about how women should be treated in, in the media, much right. different. So when you say check yourself, I think, oh man, when I was 15, I said some really dumb off color <laughs> stuff. Um, ah, I just cringe. Uh, like, oh fuck. I can't believe I acted like that. Right. I want to do better now. Uh, how do people who maybe are self-reflective enough to go, Ooh, back then I said, said and did a something dumb <laughs> and they maybe they regret it or maybe they want to change and do better. What advice do you have for people who are willing to do the check? 
Right. Well, first, you know, it's important to know that we all say dumb things, especially, you know, when we're kids. And, you know, it's just I think the main thing is to be able to recognize that and move towards a positive impact on your society and really recognizing um, the impact that rape culture does have. And, you know, challenge yourself, challenge yourself to see things for what they really are, choose to see things um, how they actually appear, um, you know, when women um, you know, you always hear protective factors like holding keys in your hand and checking in your trunk before or you're checking back to your car before you leave. Recognize the things that people have to do in their lives just to feel safe in the communities. And how are you uh, contributing to that? Are you contributing a safe environment? Or are you contributing an unsafe uh, appearance of an environment? Um, and just really using your critical thinking skills. You know, if a thought pops into your head um, that, you know, you perceive as problematic, just, just really challenging yourself to question that and get outside of the box a little bit um, and help yourself unpack some of those messages and those internal biases that we, we all have grown up with and have been exposed to. None of us are immune to it, um, but it's important to recognize that survivors are not immune to it either. So the impact that these have, these victim blaming mentalities and um, this culture has on their lives is huge. And it's huge in the life of everybody that's involved. So um, yeah, really just being mindful and aware and challenging those thoughts before you move forward. I feel like I've got so much good information here, so much to think about going forward. If somebody's listening to this and they're saying, maybe I need to get a hold of Chantel and her team, where -hmm. should they go? What should they do? Right. So we have quite a few ways that you can get in contact with us. Um, during business hours, uh, we have our office phone that you can call at 306-522-2777. Uh, and our crisis line is available 24-7 for support and for uh, information seeking as well. Uh, 306-352-0434. And uh, you can always email us at rsac at sasktel.net. And my personal email is chantel.rsac at sasfell.net. Uh, I do a lot of um, preparing and delivering presentations, workshops, and trainings for a lot of service providers, students, and the general public. Um, so I'm always happy to um, you know, be contacted to either provide one of our existing presentations or tailor one specifically to the needs of a group or community or workplace. Uh, and you can always find us on our website, reginasexualassaultcenter.ca and on Facebook and Instagram at RSAC support. Well, Chantel, uh, thank you for taking the time today to speak with us and, and share some of your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. I really appreciate it. Rebels. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm going to include links in the show notes so you can find all things Regina and Area Sexual Assault Center online. I'm also proud to let you know that we're members of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. It's a one-stop shop for tons of locally produced shows from across our province. And you can find them at saskpodcastnetwork.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped so you don't miss out on the latest in Sascraft Beer news. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.